Welcome to another episode of the Troubadour Podcast. Today we are going to try something a little different. I'm going to be reading a traditional ballad. Now for those of you who know what a ballad is, please understand that I will be reading a traditional ballad. I will not be singing a traditional ballad. So don't worry. Now this is an unfortunate thing and I've debated whether I should do this because I am unfortunately incapable of any kind of singing, but that is how ballads were traditionally sung or projected. So essentially a ballad is a song that tells a story. The oldest ballads, some say, are older than the alphabet and having been composed and sung um, you know, far back in man's history at old tribal dances for which there were only music. And the very word ballad, by the way, comes from the same root as ballet, meaning to move rapidly. In the early days of man's social life, dancing and singing played a very large part in the community life. This is somewhat true today, but not as it was thousands and thousands of years ago. Occasions of uh, joy or of sorrow were celebrated by all in the village or community, joining together in a dance of appropriate rhythm, accompanied by words, made then and there to fit the rhythm. So that's what a ballad is. And a, and a troubadour, by the way, is someone who would go around singing songs, and he was you know, often singing and telling ballads and stories. And the Troubadour podcast is dedicated not to that specific historical reference, but to the romanticism that I think germinated from the very beginning of man's um, beginnings of language. And today we're going to read a traditional ballad called King John and the Abbot of Canterbury. Now, this is um, written in 1483. One of the problems is the language of that time. But what I'm going to try to do is um, something a little bit different, and I'd love to hear your feedback on it, is I will read the uh, ballad the way that it's written, and some of the language has already been cleaned up in this version that I have, so it's not going to be impossible. It's actually quite simple to, to understand, but there are some words like anon, which means at once, and you may be slightly familiar with it, but if you're not fully familiar, it may take you out of the um, out, out of the story. I really want you to get the story and the language. Now, the, the best way is just to hear the ballad and then for you to look it up yourself, but you may not have time. So my thought is that I'm going to read it. And occasionally, if I think the word is really important for you to know, I'll tell you what it means. So for instance, King, this is the first stanza, King John and the Abbot of Canterbury. An ancient story, I'll tell you anon, at once of a notable prince that was called King John. And he ruled England with main and with might, for he did great wrong and maintained little right. So that's the beginning, and all I changed was an ancient story I'll tell you anon at once. It won't always be that fluid. Sometimes it'll be a little bit more um, daunting. My liege, quoth the abbot, quoth the abbot, I would it were known, I never spend nothing but what is my own, and I trust your grace will do me no dear injury for spending of my own true gotten gear possessions. 
So that that's a little bit more of a jarring change. I had to say, you know, because deer, um, you know, will do do me no will do me no deer, and apparently I'd, I'd ha- <laughs> I wouldn't know that if this doesn't tell me, but the um, you know, this is old English meaning injury. So there there are old English words in here that we just don't know. So there's nothing wrong with you or anything if you aren't aware of that. So anyway, my point is that I will be um, reading it for you in that way. Okay. So this is a story. Um, it's called a, uh, this, this particular ballad, ballad is called a riddle class of a ballad. And it was always very popular. It's, this is one of the oldest that we have uh, printed. It, it says around 1483. And the ballad suggests something of the ever-present jealousy felt by the king toward any too wealthy noble or prince of the church. So there's a battle going on, of course, and this, you know, between the, the um, clergy and the crown. And of course, this is the king, I believe, that signed the Magna Carta. And you can get a sense for why he had to give rights to the, the rich of that era. Uh, they didn't look very on him very highly, and there was a big tension between them. Okay, so here's the, the ballad. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to have commentary afterward. We're just going to enjoy these ballads. And I, um, you know, would love to hear from you. Okay. King John and the Abbot of Canterbury. An ancient story, I'll tell you anon, of a notable prince that was called King John. And he ruled England with main and with might. For he did great wrong and maintained little right. And I'll tell you a story, a story so merry. Concerning the Abbot of Canterbury, how for his housekeeping and high renown they rode past for him, post for him to fair London town. An hundred men the king did hear say, the abbot kept in his house every day, and fifty gold chains chains here mean um, men who wore chains, without any doubt, in velvet coats waited the abbot about. How now, father abbot, I hear it of thee. Thou keepest a fair better house than me, and for the housekeeping and high renown, I fear thou works treason against my crown. My liege, quoth the abbot, I would it were known, I never spend nothing but what is my own, and I trust your grace will do me no dear injury for spending of my own true gotten gear possessions. Yes, yes, Father Abbot, thy fault it is high, and now for the same thou needest must die. For except thou canst answer me questions three, thy head shall be smitten from thy body. And first, quoth the king, when I'm in this stead, with my crown of gold so fair on my head, among all my liegemen so noble of birth, thou must tell me to one penny what I am worth. Secondly, tell me without any doubt how soon I may ride the whole world about. And at the third question thou must not shrink, but tell me here truly what I do think. Oh, there are these are hard questions for my shallow wit, nor I cannot answer your grace as yet, 
but if you will give me but three weeks space, I'll do my endeavor to answer your grace. Now three weeks space to thee will I give, and that is the longest time thou hast to live. For if thou dost not answer my questions three, thy lands and thy livings are forfeit to me. Away rode the abbot, all sad at that word, and he rode to Cambridge and Oxenford, Oxford. But never a doctor there was so wise that could with his learning an ancient device. Then home rode the abbot of comfort so cold, and he met his shepherd a-going to fold. How now, my abbot, you are welcome home. What news do you bring us from good King John? Sad news, sad news, shepherd, I must give, that I have but three days more to live. For if I do not answer him questions three, my head will be smitten from my body. The first is to tell him there is there in that stead place, with his crown of gold so fair on his head, among all his liegemen so noble of birth, to within one penny of what he is worth. The second to tell him without any doubt how soon he may ride this whole world about. And at the third question, I must not shrink, but tell him there truly what he does think. Now clear up, sir, ba ba abbot, did you never hear yet that a fool he may learn a wise man wit? Lend me a horse and serving men and your apparel and I'll ride to London to answer your quarrel. Nay, frown not, if it hath been told unto me, I am like your lordship as ever may be. And if you will but lend me your gown, there is none shall know us at fair London town. Now horses and serving men thou shalt have, with sumptuous array most gallant and brave, with cozier, crozier, that's a cross-tipped staff, carried by the bishop with crozier and mitre, official headdress of the, the bishop, and rocher, ceremonial garbit, garment, and cope, which is a mantle worn by a bishop. I'm going to read the stanza again. Now horses and serving men thou shalt have with sumptuous array, most gallant and brave, with crozier and mitre, and rocher and cope, fit to appear for our father the pope. Now welcome, Sir Abbot, the king he did say, tis well thou art come back to keep thy day. For, and if thou canst answer my questions three, thy life and thy living both saved shall be. And first, when thou seest me here in this stead, with my crown of gold so fair in my head, among all my liegemen so noble of birth, tell me to one penny what I am worth. For thirty pence our Savior was sold, among the false Jews, as I have been told, and twenty-nine is the worth of thee, for I think thou art one penny worser than he. The king he laughed and swore by St. Bittle, I did not think I had been worth so little. Now secondly tell me, without any doubt, how soon I may ride this whole world about. You must rise with the sun, and ride with the same, 
until the next morning he riseth again. And then your grace need not make any doubt, but in twenty-four hours you'll write it about. The king he laughed and swore by St. Joan, I did not think it could be gone so soon. Now from the third question thou must not shrink, but tell me here truly what I do think. Yeah, that shall I do, and make your grace merry. You think I'm the abbot of Canterbury, but I'm his poor shepherd, as plain as you may see, that am come to beg pardon for him and for me. The king he laughed and swore by the mass. I'll make thee lord abbot this day in this place. Now nay, my liege, be not in such speed, for slack I can neither write nor read. For nobles a week, then I will give thee, for this merry jest thou hast shown unto me. And tell the old abbot, when thou comest home, thou hast brought him a pardon from good King John. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, you know, the, the three, there's three questions that he asks, and you notice how it repeats it over and over again. That's a common thing you get in an oral tradition story because, you, you know, you need to remind the, the listener what's going on. So I hope you enjoyed that. And um, if you like it, please let me know, and we can do some more of them. It's um, something I enjoy, ballads. I think it's a fun thing. And if you have kids, especially teenagers or even, you know, fifth, sixth graders, I think ballads are a great way to really get them in, interested um, in language. You know, because if you read the ballad itself, you have to kind of look into the language a little bit look into the history. So it's a fun way to do, do that. All right. So we'll explore some more in the future, but until next time, see you later.